Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to tell you one thing that I know is true and that none of my counterparts can argue me about. 
If anybody watched that race on slow racing, they are lying if they can say they were on the edge of the seat. Championships are always won, but there's always sometimes somebody who goes home crying. I think that that's in every sport. The traditional championships that were awarded in racing were in the beginning of time participation trophies. You want to get mad at me? You want to throw stones at me? I will show you each class, the guy with perfect attendance is your track champion. Not that he's the best racer on the racetrack, that he shows up for every single race. If we want to grow as a sport, we want to continue to reach heights that we've never been. I guarantee you a final race of the season where a guy won 23 races and sealed up the championship three races ago, there's no reason tonight to open up a discussion with what happened this weekend at the Dirt World Championship. So kudos to Lucas Oil. Kudos to everybody involved. Kudos to the sport. Because tonight, a NASCAR show starts off talking about the Dirt World Championship. How about you, friends? How the hell are you? Snap Taylor, Ms. Lee Reed. Y'all come on, Lord. Tell me about what you just heard. Well, if you ask me, Dirt NASCAR-style points racing don't belong in dirt racing. But that's just me. Yeah, and you are the traditional fan, correct? Am I am I correct? You are the traditional As, fan that uh, likes it the old school way, right? I prefer the old school way, but you, Does you have the to old adapt. Way when you fans are create an atmosphere where you're edge of the seat in the final moments of a race. Does the, does, does the regular season, does the regular old stinking championship that we were used to 25 years ago when Dale Earnhardt would go into the last three races of the season without anybody chasing him down for another championship, was racing really better then than it is now where we have a final four? Here we are tonight, just two weekends away from crowning a NASCAR Cup champion. We don't really have much more to talk about here at the end of the season, Taz Taylor. So thank goodness we do have the chance to talk about a Final Four championship. And give it to be the same, we have the same influence and the same ability to carry that over to dirt track racing, which is now on the verge of being the most popular sport that it's ever been. Taz Taylor. Now... I know you're going for the entertainment aspects of things, but sometimes in the traditional side of things, it could also bring in the entertainment value. The reason why I say that is because, um, Chris, you've probably experienced this, experienced this a handful of times at least um, with your home track at Why Not. There's been times where um, at Fonda and Unicorome Speedways, and unfortunately, this year it didn't end the way it. I personally believe it should have, but there were several divisions that were literally that literally had probably like three or four drivers that were in the championship hunt, and by a separation of like maybe ten, twelve points, and that's a matter of two, three spots. 
in dirt racing. And it, it, I believe traditional points format can also bring the same entertainment value. It can, Taz Taylor. It definitely can, but does it? And does it not bring more attention to the sport when you have a guy who raced who won 23 races throughout the year, and sure enough, he should have been the dirt track world champion. Instead, he finished third. And I know the traditionalists, they're upset about that. But I'm telling you right now, in a season where a guy won 23 races, why do we have any reason whatsoever to follow Formula One for the rest of the season? And I'm trying to tell you that the entertainment value is just as important as the sport itself. In this day and age, Taz Taylor, where you have dirt track racers who want to be considered professional racers, you have to understand that in order to be a professional racer, you have to have economic pull. And the only way to have economic pull is if you're sitting high in the charts of the entertainment value. The only reason why NFL is as big as what it is today is because I pay for cable. If I didn't pay for cable, if I didn't pay for the subscription every single year for my NFL network, for my ESPN, for my local channel, I would not have uh, – the, the uh, NFL would not have the ability to control the entertainment value prospects uh, that they do. It takes the customer, it takes the value of the product to make value amongst the entertainment source. So, in other words, that, uh, the drivers will only become famous if the entertainment value is there to sell. We are now in a day and age, Taz Taylor, Ms. Lee Reed, where we are selling racing on television, whether it be NASCAR on cable television or dirt track racing among streaming services. If you are a dirt track fan, I guarantee you by now you have at least one subscription to a streaming service for dirt track Racing, and that is a game changer, Miss Lee Reed. All right, so I want to counter you, Chris. They in the dirt track world, they adapt to this playoff format. They more dirt series or dirt tracks adapt to this. Orange County Fair Speedway up here in uh, New York has tried this. Twice that I can remember in recent yeah. times in the last it's been few years. within a few years. Yes, sir. It's now, been within the, last the, fir- few years. the first, the first year they attempted this, I feel like there was a there was kind of a small little fluke in their rule book that somebody found a loophole to, and a number of fans complained about it, and rightfully so, because. Their rule book for their playoff format to crown a track champion on one of one of their divisions, which was the big block modified, was that if you won a race in any of their like eight regular season big block races they had, you were locked into their track championship playoffs or whatever. It didn't matter how many races you participated in in those eight. Stuart Friesen, I think, raced three or four races during that regular season. He won one and he got into playoffs and it knocked out some of the guys that were that were there for six, seven, even all eight races 
that put in their effort. And Stuart Friesen got all the way to the final four. He bought into the system. When the when there's many complaints about the number of races you attend, Orange County Fair Speedway changed the rule saying that loophole is out. So if you win a race in the regular season, you have to attend, I think, like at least 75% of the regular season races in order to lock yourself in. Yeah. Should it be a 75% or should it be 100%? No, I mean, I think that it's probably that much. Uh, um, In this day and age where you have the traveling racer, you really want to get these guys locked in. I understand that. But it's counterintuitive if you have drivers who, you know, like the uh, Cajun series, um, the big block modifieds. These guys travel off to other places. And once again, you're just – you're really just giving – a championship to the guy who showed up to the most races. And that's exactly the reason why it's not an entertainment value because you're really just giving the guy who shows up for every race, the championship. And, uh, you know, we've seen some good championships. I'm not saying that every dirt race doesn't end. And trust me, I am fighting against the wolves on this one. I I don't feel like there's probably a single person uh, this side of the Mason-Dixon line that's going to agree with me, and that's okay. I, I, I'm not here to be agreed with. I am telling you what the hell sells. And if Dirt Track wants to be an economic value uh, for a consumer to purchase, then it needs to be as exciting as possible. And adding this element to the championship was definitely an entertainment value. There was not a fan that wasn't on the edge of the seat for that last race of the season. Everybody tries to say NASCAR is dying, but I send the picture every time that I'm when I'm sitting in the stands at Talladega of nothing but full seats on both sides of me. NASCAR is not dying. The places where they have a hard time selling have economic have decreased in economic value, Taz Taylor. They're no longer worth what it was before. What makes it worth it is when these guys are out racing their damn tails off and anybody and everybody has a chance to win. That is why Talladega and Daytona are as successful as they are because they create payment. What in the world does it say 10 seconds for? Are we going, hold up. Oh, man. Are you serious? So, I don't know how the hell I missed that. But anyway, we're not going to be on air anymore. Um, but, but we will have the podcast recorded. So, if you're listening live and jumped off, you'll just have to catch the recording later. Look, um, wow. What an idiot I am. Um, I don't know how. I swear I said it for 180 minutes. That's so screwed up. Oh, Lord. I'm going to regroup, regroup, Chris. Miss Lee, are you there? Miss Lee? I'm here. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to add, though, because you got to remember, I came to racing later in life. I don't have the background with uh, a local track or dirt racing like you guys do. So I don't, I don't feel like my opinion really matters that much. I, I, I beg to differ, Miss Lee. I think your opinion matters just as much as, if not more. Your opinion has more value 
because you are late to the game. You don't have tradition that weighs on your side. But let's break it down to the entertainment value. What is more entertaining, Miss Lee, knowing that the last race of the season has four competitive, uh, competent, uh, competitive drivers coming down for uh, a win and you and and you win the championship versus a traditional championship that could be uh, sewed up three weeks four weeks, five weeks before the end of the year based off a man just coming out and raw dog in the entire field. That is what we've seen this year in dirt track racing. That is what we are seeing this year in Formula One. We have not been able to discuss Formula One at all this year because one man has won the race every single race except for maybe two races this season. Right. There's there is there is hardly any entertainment value in the same guy winning twenty one out of twenty three races. But well, on the other hand, you know where you had the dirt track world championship, you had a guy who had twenty three wins versus the guy who's got eight wins, seven wins, and maybe five wins. And believe it or not, the guy with seven wins comes home with the championship trophy. The guy with twenty three, well, he broke midway through the race on a very rough racetrack. Well, you know, I I think that one factor that that you have to take into consideration is are you talking a local dirt track or or, or are you talking a, a larger series like the yeah. World of Outlaws? Lucas Oil, you know. Yeah, Lucas Oil World of Outlaws Cars Tour. Right. Right. But what but world but what world of outlaws needs to do is gonna be different from what your local track needs to do. I agree with that, Miss Lee. I keep keep coming. You're you're getting somewhere with this. I agree. Does World of World of Outlaws need to mimic NASCAR? I'm not so sure. Because I just don't – they need to be their own unique series. They need to keep their uniqueness. Everybody doesn't need to be like NASCAR. Everybody doesn't need to be like IndyCar or Formula One. It's the uniqueness of the different series – that is part of the attraction. I agree. And I take it from idea. what you just said. World, World of Outlaws races a traditional point-style system. Lucas Oil has tried the NASCAR system. Whose championship race got talked about here tonight and whose championship race did not get talked about? That is right. that is the value of it. That's the value of having this style racing because it makes everybody stop and talk about it. And I feel like in this day and age, what did, what did Earnhardt say? Whether they're booing me or cheering me, they're still talking about me, right? And that's that's value, right? Right. 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 Seth. I got the idea, Chris. You ready for this one? I'm ready. All right. So say World of Outlaws, they keep their traditional point system. That's mm-hmm. fine and dandy. That's 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 their prerogative. Lucas Oil Late Model Series, if they want to do the NASCAR playoff 
format, basically winning you're in, winning you move on, final four, first four, first one of the four to cross the line is your champion, have at it. Why doesn't, why can't we see a sprint car series, and Chris, you should know I ideally where I'm going with this one, why can't a sprint car series, especially high limit, high limit, all-star circuit of champion series, try this one out? Why don't we do a, say, 20-race regular season and have, like, a six and then do the old chase format, reset the point, however many wins, you get three, four, five bonus points, however many you want to give out for each race win a driver has done. And let them settle out those six races in traditional point style. At the end of those six races, there's your champion. Yep. I like that. I like that, as long as it's keeping people engaged. You know, I mean, look, we it, it's hard to say. I would not want to take cup racing back to the old days, to the old age. I, I definitely am very satisfied with the chase format that we have today. Could it be um, uh, tinkered with? Could it be made a little bit better? Could we have a three-race showdown instead of a one-race showdown? I'm 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 game. Like I always want to see the the field change. I always want to see, you know, if we start hitting 440 uh, feet dingers, then I want to make sure that 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 right field is uh, at least 420. You know what I mean? Like I want to make sure that we are to the game, and that way uh, it keeps the fans engaged. It keeps people um, on the edge of their seat. Um, and and maybe this traditional well, the championship that we have now in NASCAR, maybe. It's run its course. I believe this is the longest that we've actually run one certain format, I think, in the entirety of this uh, of the Chase system. Uh, it has been tinkered, and it has been changed throughout uh, the years, just as every other sport has evolved. Um, you know, NASCAR has too. And I don't want to leave uh, the dirt track world out of that evolution. I want them to evolve. I want the fans to get excited. Uh, I, I do feel like it's heartbreak for uh, you know uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. to to have missed out on the chance to be a champion. And any other year up until this point, he would have been the champion. And it is heartbreaking that he has to go home knowing that he was just you know it just wasn't in the cards for him to win it this year. Will he be able to regroup and come back at it next year and have the same potential, the same ability, and the same chance to get to the same place that he got? This year, you're damn right he will, and that's the same thing with Denny Hamlin. You know, that's the you know Denny Hamlin's not won a championship in his entire career, and and I could probably show you nine or eight different formats that he's had to race to try to get it. None of them have fit the cards to play just right into Denny Hamlin picking up a championship. You know, first topic of the night. Do I feel like Denny Hamlin's championships are, uh, are over with? He's got to go out here to Martinsville and and take no prisoners. That's the only way he gets in. Um, is that cap- is Denny capable of doing such a thing? I do believe, guys, that uh, uh, Denny could win Martinsville. Uh, he's uh, if he gets in at Martinsville, I feel like he's probably the best threat for the championship. Uh, but those cards have yet to be played. That's what makes this interesting. That's what made the Dirt Track World Championship interesting. It gives people like you and me 
storylines to talk about. Now, if I'm just a fan sitting here watching the Cars tour, I could give one rat's ass about the track champion. I could give one rat's ass most of the time about a true championship. Most of the time, I just want to watch a good damn stock car race. And, you know, in the end, um, if it's entertaining, then I'm satisfied with it. Am I turned off or on by the championship or format? I'm probably turned on more by the excitement than I am the lack thereof. But either way, if you can keep it exciting, I'm down for that. So that's where we are. Uh, Page two. Anybody else have anything to close on what we were talking about? Let's get over here to the Denny Hamlin uh, and the Ryan Blaney situation um, and and what's going on with with the next two weeks. I'm going to try to get us out of here early tonight. I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, it's the end of the year, right? I mean, it's the end of the school year. You know, you remember going the last few days of school, and there's nothing to do. It's really, that's where we are right now. You know, we're just showing up, trying to get that track championship. You know, we're we're trying to get our perfect attendance record. Um, uh, but uh, in reality, there is a couple of guys that are trying to still race their way in. Um, if we can kind of review what happened this past week in a homestead, I think homestead kind of opened up a lot of eyes. I, I, I sealed the deal. I tried to tell you guys that Christopher Bell – was going to take over what he had at Las Vegas, and he was going to apply it right to Homestead, and he did exactly that. Um, People probably wrote Christopher Bell off at the beginning of the year or some way through the midway of the year, but look, just similar to William Byron, Bell has issues throughout the midseason. I don't know what it is. Bell starts off strong, and then come the midseason, it is what it is, and then all of a sudden here at the end, he's on fire. A couple of of top two finishes. Uh, Bell is... uh, you know, he's he's heading in the right direction at the right time. Uh, let's talk about uh, what we've seen this past weekend. Uh, Miss Lee, you haven't had much air time today. Uh, I, I understand that you're probably in a, in a uh, moving situation. Now. Were you able to catch the race? I did. Um, I, I missed, totally missed the truck race. I caught the end of the Xfinity race, and um, I was able to watch – the last half of the uh, cup race. Um, it was interesting. That was for sure. Um, the Blaney Larson incident was that was crazy. I think Larson right. just totally miscalculated. I don't think either of them did anything wrong. Um, it, as you know, we've as, seen Larson do this before, right? He drives by the seat of his pants. Sometimes this happens. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, other than other than Bell winning the race, that was that was the only only other thing that really stood out to me. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like it was a good pace race. It really did look like Kyle Larson was probably going to be the favorite uh, and go back to back, but uh, that wasn't in the cards. And uh, I think that it's crazy after all the years of crappy races at mile and a half speedways, now all of a sudden we have a car that is just like magic at these mile and a half speedways. It, the, the racing was Throughout the field, uh, the one thing that I believe I discussed in the room is that I can no longer handle 
the uh, broadcast. I had to turn yeah. it over to MRN. Um, it's just they're going to have to make changes in that broadcast booth. It is unbearable to listen to. When you start out the race talking about chase implications and stuff like that, you're five laps into it, and Jeff Burton sounds like it's the last damn lap already. I, I just I couldn't do it. I had to turn it off. I had to go to some true broadcasters that loved calling the races and loved talking about the side-by-side and the three-wide racing. And I, I'm sorry, guys. I found that on MRN. Thank goodness streaming yeah. slows down a little bit, and so it was able to connect almost immediately with MRN. I had to back off of uh, the play button a couple of times on my phone to get it perfectly matched and synced together. But once I did, man, I enjoyed the rest of the evening, and MRN called a hell of a broadcast. That's why I felt like the race was so awesome. I mean, I had an awesome broadcast to listen to. Mr. Lee used to get mad at me when I would turn the volume down and turn on MRN. But I I totally agree with you on that one, Chris. MRN is definitely the best when it comes to calling the races. Yeah, MRN, I'm not going to lie, MRN and PRN were my saviors when when the races would be postponed to, like, a Monday or a Tuesday. I mean, yeah, be... Yeah, I'd be at work, but at least I'd be able to listen to them. And they are colorful. I mean, I I know on a radio broadcast you have to be colorful because you're not seeing the picture, you're not seeing the race, but they make you feel like you're literally watching it, even though you're listening to it. Like you're literally envisioning this in your head, and like you're li- watching it in front of you. <laughs> um, yeah, I. The race part was the racing product itself um, at Homestead did not fail. I believe, uh, I believe Homestead, you know, delivered a fantastic race start to finish. Um, as you mentioned, Chris, it looked like Kyle Larson was the dominant driver up on. I would say up until late in stage two. Um, when a couple drivers started coming in late, like William Byron, Ryan Blaney, um, Christopher Bell, obviously. I honestly think that we could have seen a four or five car duel um, if the cards played out that way when it was all said and done. Or we could have seen Larson versus Bell um, from Las Vegas to this race and see if Bell could actually capitalize on Larson or if Larson would shut down Bell again. Yeah, I agree, Tess. Uh, you know, it was going to be a battle there. I, I seen William Byron. He was battling. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think this was kind of the race where you're either in or you were out. Ryan Blaney, my God. Where did that rocket ship come from? Yeah, I was gonna say, who would have who would have funked that? Right? Who would have thought about that? This guy's gonna get race for and a he, championship. And he was he was what seventeen points under the cutoff line before his homestead, and now he's like plus ten. Maybe he's like ten points above now. Yep. 
Penske knew where to, where to put their power. That's right. They did. Uh, you can't count a Penske guy out, man. I'm telling you. The moment you do that, you've uh, you showed your hand already. Look, Penske's not going to give up. They have the resources to get their car. Um, Ford got to be represented uh, in this championship race. Uh, if not, you know, it's 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 uh, it used to be the Ford 400 right at Homestead. Ford was the championship uh, yep. sponsor. So, you know, they definitely... Ford EcoBoost. Huh? Ford EcoBoost 400 is what it used to be. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. Ford EcoBoost 400. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Um, any any big, you know, surprises? Uh, any big surprises from this past race? Uh, comers or goers? Um, does it look good uh, for Harvard? Maybe Harvard wins Phoenix. I don't know. I would. Um, I do want to give some credit here to Brad Kidlowski. Um, I know the race ending did not go the way he was running in the first two race or the first two stages of the race. Um, it seemed like Brad took the playoff pressure off of him and he like went full sail. And it's surprising to me to say that because he's got Chris Busher and I'm not saying like I'm not saying this in the sense like of um, he's not caring about the fact that Bush is in the playoffs or he's, you know, not giving Busher the best stuff possible. I just believe I think that maybe this round kind of shows shows some of the weaknesses on Pusher's side of the RFK program. And maybe Brad just kind of said, look, we the pressure's off. We have nothing to lose. All we're going to really gain now is points to try to finish fifth place, the best we can do. We're not here to win a championship. Now we're just in it for the points at this point. And he pretty much ran his own race. He didn't care if he was running against playoff drivers. He was he was looking like the Brad Keselowski we all know. Right, right, right. And if you look at the old style points, he was he somewhere like sixth in points. So, um, you know, definitely a rebounding year for RFK. Though Ryan Blaney gets all the attention from the Ford camp. Uh, for the championship push, it's been RFK holding the Ford banner all year long. And, and kudos, you know. Uh, we picked up somewhere around mid-season that RFK was uh, moving in the correct direction. And then from that point on, it was just ahead of steam. Of course, we went straight through the summertime with Chris Buescher uh, winning several races. Um, and uh, Brad Keselowski just, you know, missing uh, a, a couple of times. Like, he's got one coming. Uh, and it's not going to take long, much longer to get there. It could come in this week. It could come uh, next week at Phoenix. Um, it was interesting to see that it, that by this point of the season, outside of Kedlowski, uh there wasn't very much of the, uh, the other cars running with the championship contenders. It is uh, an anomaly every year to see 
uh, you know, the separation of the field, basically, between the, the, the ins and the outs. Um, uh, it, it's kind of like everybody just doesn't want to race the drivers who are racing for a championship. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I feel like you're taking the product off the table. Um, but I understand the manufacturing implications that could happen if such and such races uh, his way up to the front and that car misses by a point. It's because you uh, interfered with that. But is that not manipulating the race? Is that not manipulating the chase? Uh, You know, those are, you know, that's the area of racing that I I feel like um, there is no other way around that. Right. I mean, there's, if you're not racing competition, then you are basically throwing a race. You are not uh, giving your best effort. Um, I, I don't like that. That was unheard of 15, 20 years ago. You know, um, I'm just not a big fan of that. Any thoughts? Well, unless unless you're following team rules, there's no reason for you not to give your all. You know, regardless. You know, okay, if you're a lap car, yes, you're going to give some consideration to, you know, chase drivers coming up on you. But if you're not... It, you know, and like I said, aside from team orders, why would you sit back? That, that's true because after the Las Vegas race um, in which Kyle Larson won, there was um, in one of the post-race interviews that Larson and Cliff Daniels took part in, um, they both said that just because they're locked in and they're getting ready for Phoenix doesn't mean they were going to treat Homestead and Martinsville like it's a walk in the park because they're locked in. They're going full steam and they were, their idea was going to Homestead and I'm sure their idea is still the same way of going into Martinsville this weekend of going in full steam, build as much momentum as possible because it's huge when you go into Phoenix in the championship four. Right. But this does make me wonder, however, when it comes to Martinsville, um, how much are team orders going to be playing in the factor? Because we have to look at it from the driver's standpoint, and we also have to look at it from the owner's standpoint, too. Because there's one wild card factor in the owner's playoffs versus the driver's playoffs. Um, and I know it's crazy to say that, but it's what, we're, what we are dealing with in this current format. Um, you have... Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, who are both locked into the championship four on both the driver and owner side of the playoffs. On the on the driver side, you have Byron and Blaney staying above the cutoff line. Byron looking like if he gets enough stage points, um, 
in the first two stages at Martinsville, he could lock himself in based off of points and pull the Denny Hamlin move. Um, so is Hendrick going to try to push that factor, or or are they not really? Um, in terms right. of Ryan Blaney, in terms of Ryan Blaney, I mean you have Logano and Cindric, but they're just chasing points for their own manner. So are they? So is Penske going to throw the best stuff for Ryan Blaney in hopes that maybe Logano and Cindric will help them, or? Is he going to expect those two to not be much of help? Is he going to go to some Ford Alliance and create something there? Which creates another problem because you have RFK with Chris Busher on the other side of that factor. Um, I still want to, I want to go back to the Chevy cam quick because Chase Elliott is on the owner side of the playoffs. And Martin Truex Jr.'s 19 team is not on the owner side. So is Hendricks going to push the nine team through to try to make that work. And then, of course, you have the Toyotas. You have Reddick, Trex, and Hamlin. And we all know Trex and Hamlin are are big time. Or well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say big time, even though one really is a big time favorite. But they are looked at as favorites. And it's hard to say that for Truex, especially when he's been lucky throughout this entire playoff. Yep. I mean, there's a lot that we'll still, you know, have, have to learn uh, between now and Phoenix. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, maybe Chase Elliott uh, runs very well at a place like Phoenix. Also, you know, Hendrick is so dominant at a place like Martinsville. Um, you know, Kyle Larson's already won. Uh, William Byron is probably going to be able to race his way in on points. Is there anybody already locked in on points, Taz? Have we taken a look at that? Um, no. Um, right now, Bell and Larson are the only two locked in, so at least two spots available. Right now, above that cutoff is William Byron sitting plus 30. So, no, that is not guaranteed. And um, Ryan Blaney is plus 10. So, obviously, he's not a guaranteed um, in on points right now either. That's why I said William Byron, if he gains enough stage points um, at Martinsville, I think he'll be okay. Um, based on points, obviously Byron's not going to have that mentality. Let's put it that way. Um, trying to see if maybe Bob Pockris has some sort of um, point calculation maybe to help with that. Um Normally, Bob Packers is kind of like right on it. Um, right. Let me tell you, Bob Packers, one heck of a reporter. Fox Sports picked up a big guy, or big time, very passionate reporter. Oh, yeah. He was on Door Bumper Clear last week. Uh, probably one of my more favorite Door Bumper Clears uh, for the season. Uh, yeah, as you can see, race fans, I mean, we're really. We're at the end of the year. 
right? There's really not much storyline. There's going to be a couple of guys that are going to get get in on points. Uh, possibly one guy that's going to get in on a win. If Kyle Larson happens to win Martinsville, you've got three guys that are – well, two other guys that are going to race their way in on points. Um, Christopher Bell is a lock. Kyle Larson is a lock. So right. two open – I got it. So Bob Parker says that um, feeling good drivers are obviously Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson because they're in on wins. Feeling good right now is William Byron, who sits plus 30 above the cutoff line. Um, Byron needs 36 points to clinch a spot into the next round, no matter what anyone else does. In 11 starts at Martinsville, he's earned at least 36 points four times, including three of his last five races there. He has one victory, which was April of 2022, and six top tens in Martinsville. So Byron should not should be very little concerned about this. If he is, it's probably because of his 23rd place finish at Martinsville and earned just one stage point at Martinsville back in the Spring. Um, feeling hopeful is Ryan Blaney, he's saying. Blaney ran well in Martinsville a year ago when trying to advance as he finished third and earned 43 points but didn't make the cut. If he does that again, he will make it as long as no other driver beneath him wins the race. Wins the race. He has scored at least 42 points in seven of his last nine starts at Martinsville. If he has a day like he had in the spring where he finished 12th with 30 points, he could be in jeopardy of having to wait another year to make his first championship four. And everybody else, he has the feeling nervous, resigned, or desperate. And the only desperate driver he's got is Chris Booker. Uh, well, I can't argue that. I'm telling you, we're in for it, man. Martinsville's going to get crazy, yo. Um, Martin Church Jr., uh, watch out, Denny Hamlin. No, that guy, he's not going to give an inch. Um, no, it's, it's bearing down. Like, uh, I think it's. Who's left? Okay, Christopher Bell, Kyle so, Larson. So essentially, so let's break it down for William Byron quick because obviously he, he's – Let's break it down for William Byron quick because he's obviously got the best vision going into Martinsville right now of championship four. Packer says no matter what anybody else does, he needs 36 points. So let's say he wins the first two stages of Martinsville. That's 20 points right there. So he would have to finish no worse than 21st to make that happen. Wow. No worse than 21st. That's that's the goal. But if he want, but if he does not score any stage points, he needs to finish. Sec, he needs to either finish first or second. I can see some Hail Marys, for sure. Like Tyler Reddick, perfect example of a Hail Mary team. Um, what's, who's the other? It's Chris Buescher. 
That's the other guy, right? You got Reddick, Truex, Hamlin, and Busher. Reddick's 10 points under. Truex and Hamlin are 17 under. Chris Busher's minus 43, who is basically in a must-win situation. So, so the no chance in hell has to go to Chris Busher. Basically, I mean, you're 43 points behind. That, that it's essentially it's a full race, but not it's it's like a full race behind, but you're not really a full race behind because. I mean, if you don't score any stage points, if let's say Chris Busher doesn't. Example on any no chance in hell. Who is the one driver you would make that gamble with? No chance in hell is Chris Busher. I'm sorry, he's he has to win. Even him trying to gain stage points ain't going to help any. So he's got a hail mary. Hey, he has and to. last year we had a male Helen. Uh, 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 what was it called? Uh, a hail melon, melon that was banned. Yeah. Yeah. What do we t-shirt. have this year with Busher? Huh? A push and Busher? <laughs> <laughs> and and who do you think is going to be racing balls to the walls because of that? It's Chris Busher and and. Who have we seen pull crap like that out? Chris Butcher. Chris Butcher. Yep. So you definitely cannot rule him out. So you go down and you go put $20 on a blame. You go put $20 on a Byron. Okay? Neither one of those guys have wins. Coming up into March, but you go down and you throw ten dollars just for the hell of it on Busher because your big payout at the end of the night if Busher wins, man, that's a hell of a payout. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to say Busher's my favorite. Uh, I have seen miracles happen this year from that RFK race team. Could it be over with already? It could be. Most definitely. Um, we'll have to race the race to find out. But if there was a no chance in hell with a Cinderella story that could somehow or another wind up in a championship situation, it could be Chris Busher. Christopher Busher. <laughs> Two Christophers racing for a championship. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, uh, you know, Taz, I really don't see the need into getting all deep into the uh, favorites and underdogs and whatnot. Um, those that, that are a few that are left, this is the last race to race their way in. Um, I can throw a hell melon uh, if I want to. I, I could go for a Chris Busher or something like that. It wouldn't hurt me at all. Um, I do have one quick question about the pool. Uh, will any of my points transfer or are we all even going into the last race of the season? Just like just like NASCAR, our oh, okay. final four for the championship four will be the same. So everybody will be on the same playing field. Here's the only exception. Here, or here's the only difference. Um, the four people in the final four 
all have to pick a different driver. It does not matter who it is, but each four of you have to pick a different driver. Oh, wow. And how is that, that going to be? We will, Jason and I have talked a couple a couple times a couple weeks ago. We're going to try to break down how that's going to work out uh, this week. It's got to be based on the time the email comes in. And I mean, obviously, obviously, um, I'll make I'll make sure he uh, Jason helps me out too with this. But we're going to make sure like we are on top of the emails in terms of the at least for the final four. A damn gimmick. That's what it's going to come down to. A damn gimmick. <laughs> You wanted entertainment, you got it. And now you're in the middle of it. Hey, check it out. So next, I believe next Tuesday uh, will be our last Tuesday night show. Uh, We will come on the air for the hour following uh, the uh, cup race next Sunday from Phoenix. We will end our season with that show and say our goodbyes and Congratulate whatever champion we have to congratulate. Um, it's been a hell of a season, guys. I know just like y'all, you know, I'm, I'm wore out. It's been a long season. When we start these podcasts at the beginning of the year, yes, oh, my God. How are we ever going to make it through 40-something shows? And here we are. I think the network in itself has done 70 shows this year, 70 shows. Not bad for a network. Just thank you for all your hard work and dedication through the ups and the downs. We appreciate it. Um, but uh, so let's go. Let's cover some favorites, Taz Taylor. Um, I, We're I'm, going. I'm, I'm at pick. a loss of words. I mean, yeah. Let's close We're this thing out, pick. baby. Let's get it done. Let's do the hot pick, right. baby. Let's go with the favorites, man. We're not going to worry about any others. We're going to do the favorites. It should be a top six, maybe top eight. Um, of course, all of those were probably going to be championship drivers. Uh, but uh, Taz Taylor, um, tell me who you uh, who your favorite this week and your favorite. All right. So as usual, I left some drivers out for good measure. Um, so with that being said, my favorite two of them I've mentioned earlier which was Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. And I know Martin Truex Jr. is a stretch, but we know how he is at short tracks. Um, And then my other favorite um, is without an argument, as I have mentioned from Bob Pockers' article, is William Byron. Um, As for contenders, I have listed a couple non-playoff drivers that could play spoiler. Um, that being Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski. And I have thrown in Christopher Bell as a contender because I had, because honestly, if I didn't have, honestly, I had Christopher Bell circled for Martinsville as somebody to watch for. And then underdogs, I've thrown in Chase Briscoe, which is a name we don't mention very often. 
uh, AJ Allmendinger and Eric Almarola. And there, and I will mention this before the panel, before you guys, the panel throws out driver names. There are only two drivers, active Cup drivers. I've only mentioned one that have an average finish of tenth or better. Really? Yes, and I've, like I said, I've only mentioned one name out of that hat. Who's the other guy? Ryan Blaney. Look at her. Ain't that something? Despite, despite having no wins, he has seven top fives and nine top tens and 15 Martinsville starts. He has led 377 laps. He has an average start of a 9.3 and an average finish of a 9.5. Wow. Oh, man, I mean, I tell you what. So, Ryan Blaney could be a favorite uh, for this weekend's race. I, I can see it, you know. I mean, I, I, like I said, uh, Penske has $125 million worth of resources. And I believe they're going to pump every every dollar they can into this race car. Uh, you know, he's the guy that his championship season should have been over with. Uh, because of a a violation because of a part that was deemed illegal uh, that was overturned to have Ryan Blaney. I I just don't know if how legitimate Ryan Blaney as a champion would actually be, Taz Taylor. Um, Ryan Blaney is not... uh, not your typical superstar. So he would be he would be the least likely champion since Matt Kenseth, I feel like. Um, the guy who, you know, put together just the right, the good enough year to, to take on that championship. Uh, you know, they, I may say something different than that. Uh, but uh, the way that it looks here by stat-wise, you know, there's no argument. Ryan Blaney should be a favorite. Jose, I don't want to leave him off the list. I, I the furthest, the furthest he should go down is contender, and I'm probably stretching that one. I don't know where Miss Lee sits on that one. Well, you know Penske's going to throw everything behind him, so I can get on with putting him as a as a favorite. All right. Ryan Blaney is a favorite. Let's go. Yeah. Other, mean, names, yeah. That, other names I'm going to throw out there I did not mention. Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, uh, Kyle Larson, um, Alex Bowman. And I know Bowman's not a playoff driver. Logano's not a playoff driver either. But those are names to consider. <laughs> Yeah, I I I definitely I I could I could see Logano as a contender. While they're going while Penske's going to throw everything behind Blaney. This is 
this is still in Joey's wheelhouse. So I I could put him as a contender. Yeah. All right. That's a fair argument. Yep. I agree. Any other uh, feelers we got out there? I know, like I said, I threw a, I threw a few names. We got Logano out of the hat. We got Blaney out of the hat. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Busher's got to be considered the best underdog of this whole case system, and uh, I'm sure Martinsville is not necessarily uh, in Rouse's wheelhouse. Never has really been. As a matter of fact, if I can remember correctly. Um, Matt Kenseth said, you know, he raced at Roush, so he was never, uh, you know, in likelihood considered a a good Martinsville driver until he came over to Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, that could all change because this isn't your typical Roush Fenway racing. This is Roush Fenway Keselowski racing, and Keselowski has, right. um, uh, you know, some uh, pretty good times there at uh, Martinsville. So, I will have to put Busher in as definitely an underdog, considering I am considering him an underdog for the championship through and through. If anybody, if you were just going to bet on the guy that had no chance in hell, you got to bet on. Agreeable. Um, again, we again Ross we got Chastain. Ross Chastain is not on this list, man. The hell melon. How do we yeah, that was on? the name I was. I was going to bring his name up next. That's a contender I can work with. Um, although I feel like if we're going to mention his name, we I got to throw in Alex Bowman for on that same icon too. I feel like Alex Bowman would be a better argument for a contender than Chastain. See. The, the way Ross has been racing lately, I, I would put him on the underdog list. But then again, with this track, he I, I could see him as a contender. Yeah. Well, Are we throwing Ross? So we're throwing Ross Chastain as a contender. I think you have to. Yeah, I'm good with that. Do we have any other, any other like maybe possible favorites to put in the hat? And we can throw just one name into that. Yeah, Byron's name's not in there, is it? Um, no, his is in there. Um, you know, I don't see Larson's name in there, and that's you know that that's sad because we know how much uh, we know how much Martinsville favors Hendrick and. The best driver in the Hendrick stable at this moment in time is Kyle Larson. Especially we know we know how uh, 
We know that Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels will go into this race full head of steam to try to build any momentum towards Phoenix. Oh, for sure. What about Brad? What about Brad? Brad is listed as a contender. Okay. Um, our favorites and contenders list is full. Um, I want to throw Ty Gibbs as an underdog. Ty Gibbs had a strong showing at Homestead. Or was I not watching the same race? No, I mean, I, hell, Ty Gibbs, is, he's uh, going to be a competitive driver next year. He's definitely got more talent than Bubba Wallace. Um, you know, I look, um, I'm not on the Ty Gibbs train yet, but I think uh, when you look at statistically what he's had uh, a better season as a rookie than I think a lot of the other drivers have. Um, look at Chase Briscoe crying out loud. You know, as much as as much crap as we give Ty Gibbs, I have to say, watching this kid come up through ARCA and all the way into the cup, and we know, you know, that he was moved up way too fast, but the kid has grown and matured. And he's proving himself to be a good racer. Hi, Kitty Kitty. That's a good face. I think that that book is yet to be uh, written. Um, Could he be a Daniel Suarez caliber driver? Uh, I believe his... uh, what, what is it called uh, when you compare to career path he's probably going to have a, a career similar to Jamie McMurray or Austin Dillon can he be a little bit better than Austin Dillon absolutely uh, will he be the type of caliber driver that wins championships probably not you know but will he accumulate 10 wins in his career I believe so Look, we'll, we'll have to see, you know. Ty Gibbs is uh, definitely on the radar. Uh, the question is, you know, it took William Byron four years to break out, five years to break out. Um, what expectations are we giving Ty Gibbs, right? You know, William Byron was in, in the best of equipment, and it still took him I mean, time to break out. We got to also look at Kyle Larson. It took him – being a regular season championship contender with Martin Truex Jr. in Chip Ganassi equipment, nonetheless, to break out. I mean, people. I know people are going to argue 2021 was basically his breakout year, but I honestly feel like Kyle Larson back in, what was it, 2017 when he battled with Truex that year? Right. I feel like he and he was in Ganassi equipment. I feel like that was really where he started to break out and become Kyle Larson. Right. I think we tend to look at the Silver Spoon boys like the Dillon boys, like Ty Gibbs. 
with a little different lens than we do somebody like Kyle Larson who didn't come from a legacy family. So, you know, you, you, you've got to temper that. And, and, and that's, and that's how, how I look at Ty Gibbs. Right. I, you know, yeah, he's a legacy kid, but he's learning. I, I see him learning. I don't see that so much with the Dylan boys. Right. I see them more as expecting Pop Pop to take care of them. Whereas yeah. Grandpa ain't playing that game with Ty. Yes, he's right. helping him, but I, I I think that's two totally different situations. As Tony Stewart has, has said before, and this was around the time when he signed Josh Barry to race for SHR in the Cup Series next year, it's one thing to have money come through the series. It's another to have the talent, regardless of how much money you got. And what name? And what name you grew up with? Yeah, Tony's still a firm believer as well that uh, the driver uh, should uh, the driver should be good enough to attract a sponsor. And I think that that's you know um, the new school approach that uh, other companies are going to have. Yeah, that's why we've seen Kyle Busch leave Gibbs Racing. That's why we've seen the turnover at Penske. But the funny part is model. The funny thing, the funny thing, I find it with um with Gibbs and RCR in terms of sponsorship with Kyle Busch is that yes, there are certain sponsors that are with the team, but another to bring sponsors in. And I feel like when Mars, Mars, M&Ms left Joe Gibbs, I feel like Gibbs didn't really have any sponsors to fall back on for Kyle Busch. When Kyle right. Bush went over to RCR, yeah, he had the default sponsors. He had the Bet MGM. He had Cheddar's. He had um, Elsco. He, I'm sure I'm missing one or two big ones that were set in stone. But when Kyle Bush came in, he brought in Lenovo. He brought in Lucas Oil product, uh, racing products. He brought in, I'm sure he's brought in like one or two other big name sponsors? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I read it, you know, Richard Childress was, I think, third on the list with uh, uh, sponsorships uh, per capita brought into the race team. But um, back to the list, and we'll get ourselves out of here. I do believe uh, we are 
at a standstill now uh, with the show. So, um, we got any more to add to this list? Are we good to go? What, what do you we think? We are good to, to go. We are good to go. We are good to go. All right. Well, it's been a lot of fun being on the show with you guys tonight. Hopefully, y'all will tune in for our final two shows coming up. Uh, of course, Tuesday night, we'll be back here to discuss what happened in Martinsville for a quick show, and then we will be on uh, for an hour there at the conclusion of Phoenix. So, um, Taz Taylor, if you'll close this out, man, we want to thank you guys for listening to the show. All right. We want to thank everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live here tonight on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us live on Blog Talk Radio, you can always catch us on any form of podcast, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, you name it. We pretty much got it. If you want to see the full list of our podcast, head on over to the where you can find us on podcast platforms. Head on over to the 110 Nation Sports. Uh, I believe it's the 110 Nation Sports Network.com. I may be wrong on that one. Hopefully I'm not. Um, just head on over there. You'll find a full list. You'll also see more content such as blogs, um, links to our YouTube channel as well. Um, go on over to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that as well. You'll see clips of our shows, um, different kinds of content. Hopefully during the off season we'll provide some content so that we there we're not kind of being dry and quiet. Mr. CJ and Mario are back in the studio tomorrow for the Once in Nation Sports radio show. Talking about the NFL this week and and other kinds of fun stories, including the MLB postseason starting to heat up, but also wind down as the World Series is going to be starting soon. Um, Of course, Thursday is Jared's Safety to Success show on Thursday. And, of course, Mondays is our 110 Nation Race Chat Live exclusives where we throw back to our interview-type shows for about half an hour to an hour uh, length of shows. And those are on Monday night. We want to thank everyone for listening on to Race Chat Live. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio, Chris Creighton, the, mo- the Mama Bear of the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flaggers. Tess Taylor saying goodnight. We'll see you all next Tuesday for our final Tuesday night show. Good night. Good night, everybody. That's crazy.
I think that's your Walmart uh, insurance plan. I need one more green cup, Dad. Yeah. Sure, I don't know. Supposedly, I can get a membership at that gym for free through Walmart. Which I'd never heard of job being for a gym membership.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.